0: good morning brothers and sisters as some of you know I've got rather ill in the last few days and so I've been trying to get a little bit more strength to be able to be up here and be able to deliver the message and by the grace of God I'm here but uh, be patient with me I'm still a little bit lightheaded and hopefully we'll be able to deliver to you the Word of God let's go ahead and turn to our Lord in prayer blessed Lord we call upon your name to open up as always, Lord our eyes and our ears so that we may be attentive to the things that you have to say to us, Lord. Indeed, your word is a treasure and we should not neglect it, Lord. And if we need anything, Lord, is to be filled with that word within our minds, Lord, that we would be able to replace the wickedness that comes from our nature, Lord, and have it replaced with the goodness that comes from the new nature that you've given to us and that is washed by the blood of Jesus and the knowledge of your word, Lord. So I ask you that today, Father, we may be able to meditate upon the Proverbs and be able to have a great fellowship with you, Lord, and a great understanding of the things that you desire from us, Lord. For we ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So we decided with Pastor Gerardo that we're going to be doing some preaching on the Proverbs until September when we decide on a particular book that we're going to be go ahead and teaching on. And so I've decided for my selection for today to actually begin with Proverbs 1. And I'd like us to go ahead and uh, take a look at Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to be reading through verses 1 through 7, reading as follows. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand the proverb and the saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen to the word of God. Right. Amen. So, in the first point that we're seeing here is that we have the Proverbs as being introduced as the Proverbs of Solomon. But one of the things that we know is that not all the Proverbs that we have in the book of Proverbs were written by Solomon there were uh, other writers as well but he is the beginner of this work and so the first thing that we want to look at is who was Solomon and I'd like us to turn to 1st Kings and we're going to be looking at at uh, chapter 3 looking first uh, for context uh, verse verse 5 and then reading verses 9 through 13 let us begin with 5 it says at Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night And God said, Ask what I shall give you. Going now to verse 9. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days. So, what we see here is that Solomon was someone who actually asked the Lord for wisdom. And because the Lord was greatly pleased, it's interesting to me to see that he not only gave him what he particularly asked, but actually gave him the other things that others would have asked. This reminds me of a New Testament principle. I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if you seek the kingdom of God first, what all else will, will follow, will be given to you. So this is one of the most wonderful pieces of wisdom that you have, brothers. In all that you're going to be doing in your life, always seek God first. Always be seeking the things of God first, because God will give you what you need. Is it important to pray for the other things that you need? Of course. And we have many examples in scripture of this. But the number one thing is that we have to consider our relationship with God. And in this particular testimony, we see that that's what Solomon did, right? He didn't ask for the things that benefited him. He asked what benefited the people. And by benefiting the people, that means that he's honoring God too. Because when God gives you a position, when God puts you in, in your place of life, God requires you and desires of you to do what is what is good in, in your particular position or state. So, for instance, if I am to be a father, the Lord wants me not to be a father uh, who wants to for necessarily just impose whatever I desire. For instance, as a husband, I am asked to love my wife and to deal with her with understanding. So that means that when I make a decision, I got to use the wisdom to not only do the things that I desire but also that my wife desires, and even my children. So that what we begin to see is that wisdom is an important thing. Now I want to make an important distinction because there's a difference between knowledge and a difference between wisdom. Now, about, now I don't know about you guys, but I've met many knowledgeable people. I've met a lot of people who know a lot of things. But wisdom, that I've actually found a few, to be quite honest with you. It's, wisdom has to do with knowing how to use the knowledge that you have knowledge is basically having information and there's a lot of people you know especially people who go to school who they're very knowledgeable and they have a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of information a lot of things that they know but unfortunately when you look at the way they use that information they don't use it properly they don't use wisdom they, they're not looking to 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 find proper instruction or, or proper guidance in what they do and so in the case here of Solomon we have someone who is a great example of this Continuing further now to verse 2, which reads, to know wisdom and instruction and to understand the words of insight. So in other words, what this is saying is that we have to be able to know how to use and practice the wisdom that we have. So when we're learning the things of God, it is not only to just be taking this information in, but this information should have practical applications. I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's out in Australia and having... A discussion about this because many times for a lot of us we have a great desire to get into doctrine to understand many of the of the things in the Bible but what good is it brothers if you're not putting it into practice just like today today we learned about a triune God why is that important because we have to know who we're worshiping and when we're praying to God it's not only praying to Jesus like some people do or only praying to God in general we got to honor the triune God because who is taking care of us? Who created us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three of them created us. And so we must honor in our life and in our in our, in our prayer life and in our actions the the, the the three in one. And that's an important thing that we have to consider when we're looking into the things of God. I'd like to look at 1 Corinthians 1, which says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Now, I hate to say this, I'm not trying to denigrate the church, but if you notice, there's not necessarily the most intelligent people uh, within the church. And there's a lot of intelligent people, especially today in our society, in our secular society. There's a lot of people that are very intelligent, like I said, very educated people. But the problem is that what are they relying on? They're relying on on, on, on yes, on head knowledge. They're relying on man's knowledge. And what we're seeing here is that God can use even the, the simplest person who doesn't have the, great, the, the greater knowledge than, than the people do in the world to glorify himself. So if you're someone who is not as, uh, perhaps you see yourself as not as intelligent as others, you have nothing to worry about. If you're in the truth and you have the knowledge of God, you have something far greater than they have. And that's one of the wonderful things that we have to consider when we're looking for wisdom we're not concerned with what the world has to tell us is good but we have to be always concerned with what God is telling us is good because as we've learned there's a reason why we for instance believe in sola scriptura right we believe in the authority of what God has established you know when it comes to the issue of Roman Catholicism they believe that they have revelation through the Pope right through their uh, uh, through their leadership and and in the scriptures but the problem is at the moment that you ask them so are you saying that what the Pope has to say and what the leadership to say is theanostas meaning God breathed they can't they can't say that it is but they acknowledge themselves that this is God breathed and so for those of us who who uh, believe in in, in uh, who you know we're called Protestants by them you know but for those of us who believe in in the hierarchy of God this is our knowledge right here this is our wisdom and so we have to take consideration that any knowledge that we need to have it comes from scripture. There is efficiency in scripture, and that's where we get our knowledge and our wisdom from. Right. Going on now to verse three. It reads, To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Now those are three elements that are very important in the life that we're living. Right? We need to practice righteousness. It need to be it needs to be done justice in a, in, a, in a just fashion. And we need to be showing equity in what we do. If we, look, if we go to Proverbs, I want to give an example of this. And if we go to Proverbs 31, verse 9, notice it says, Open your mouth, judge righteously. Now, I want you to pay attention to that. Remember, because there's a lot of Christians that say, Do not judge, lest you be judged, right? You guys have heard that being said? Right? But if you notice here, what is the scripture telling us? That we are supposed to judge. Right. See, the issue in that verse that they quote is, first of all, they don't continue reading. What Jesus is reading, what, or excuse me, saying is that we should not be hypocrites. That's why it says, remove the plank from your eye, and then you can judge your, your brother uh, rightly. We also have the example of John 7, where Jesus himself again states that we must give a righteous judgment. But here in the Old Testament, we have, we have an example of it where it, it has actually given us that particular command. And it says to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Now that's an important factor because God has called us to be a merciful and a charitable people. And so for those that are poor and needy, we have to look out for them. If we are not looking out for them, then we are not doing our job as Christians and we are not practicing our religion. That's why in the book of James, you know, he says that, you know, that uh, uh, helping the widows, helping the orphan, that is a true religion. Because that that is an element of mercy, it's an element of love that is a part of the work of God so that is something that we must do but I do want you to also not fall into the error of the world where for instance in our day today because people are in particular groups or in their particular positions they seem to be giving them a break or making or looking looking at them as a, in a different way or in a special favor when who has sinned brothers Everybody. all has sinned right so nobody has a special position because in the eyes of God we're all sinners you know, but yet in our world, what are we seeing? We have people that show partiality. Now, I want you to consider what it says here in Leviticus nineteen, verse fifteen. It says, "You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor." So it's very important that when we when we judge these things, we gotta judge it in the way that God has asked, right? I think Martin Luther King uh, coined it well when he said that it should be. That we should be judging according to what? To the content of our character. Right? Because that is what that is what God is uh, uh, seeking. He's seeking to see what kind of people we are and what actions we are doing. Not based on who we are or what our skin color is or what our gender is as uh, the world is trying to do today. Continuing forward, let us look now at verse 4. We read, To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth now this is a another example where we have where the Lord is showing how even if you're a simple person if you're someone who's consider yourself not very smart one thing you can be is you can be smart in the things of God and God can give you wisdom so if you feel that you you don't have wisdom the first thing you should do is ask for it as a matter of fact when I was a kid I would hear the, I, I would attend a Spanish church, but I would hear consistently people mentioning wisdom, 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 and I had no clue what it was as a child. I had no clue what wisdom was. But I knew that whatever it was, it was good, so I actually started to pray to the Lord. And I said, Lord, give me wisdom. I want to know what wisdom is, and I want you to give me wisdom. And uh, to a degree, right, because I'm still a sinner, but I do believe that the Lord did impart uh, wisdom to me, and, uh, and it has been obviously beneficial especially in terms of getting to know the word of God and getting, and getting close to our Lord. I'd like to look at uh, Psalm 19, verse 7, which says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. Notice how the song, even in, in song, in the Psalms, this declaration is being made. It's important that we fill our, our heads with the knowledge of the things of God because when we make judgments we have to make judgments on all things. In our day today we've actually fallen to a secular a secular lie and perhaps a, a secular mis, mis, misconception which is that you guys have I'm sure in, in our culture I've heard of uh, the separation between church and state. And so people have taken that and they think that that means that when that when it that the bible the bible and religion only pertains to certain things and it doesn't pertain to others. Now there is, a, there is a separation between church, of, church and state, and the church has believed that. As a matter of fact, if you study English history, there was a gentleman who actually was a, was a uh, I believe he was a priest, by the name of Beckett. And what happened was that Beckett was a friend of the king. I don't remember the name of the king. There was actually a film uh, that was very famous in the 60s that was done on this, if you're curious on the story. But long story short, what happened was that this king wanted to have an authority over the church. And so what he did is he appointed a friend of his to be able to come in and study to be part of the clergy so that he figured, oh, if I have my friend in the church, then not only can I get my you know, political things done in the land, but I'll get the church to do what I want as well. Well, to his surprise, you know, uh, Beckett actually ended up becoming you know, truly immersed in the Word of God and understood that there was a separation of church and state. And since he did not do what he asked, he actually, uh, he was at a council and he actually said, oh, would someone would just be rid me of this, of this uh, priest. And what ended up happening is that uh, some of his soldiers actually went and slaughtered him. Went to the church and actually slaughtered him. But we see that that's a good example of where we see that there is a place for, for where the church is at and there is a place for government because who sets up the, the governing authorities? The Lord does, right? But there are times when things overlap. And I'll give you guys an example. When it comes to the issue of abortion, is that not an issue of politics? But yet we have a stand on that, don't we? So we have to stand with the Lord that he is the giver of life and that he preserves life. On the issue of marriage, who created marriage? Jesus, Right? He made them what? Male and female. So these are important distinctions that when we go out and we vote, we have to consider. You know, there, there, is, uh, there are areas that are gray. You could say where there is charity and you can uh, choose. You know, you can have two sides on that. But there are things when it comes particularly to the moral law of God where we have to stand with, uh, with the law of God. And that requires wisdom, right? So when we hear everything, that's why we have to be judging everything. But if we're going to judge things properly, what do we need? We need to have the wisdom of God, right? Continuing forward now, let us look at at Ecclesiastes 11. Verse 9: Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Now, this is an interesting verse because this is actually an admonition to those that are young. Now, obviously, those of us who are older, now that sometime we're young. But if we notice, here is is necessarily the Lord against uh, the ways of the young. No, so if you're young, you you should rejoice in life. You should seek uh, those things that that you find to be good. But what this is doing is is giving you an admonishment. It's telling you that you got to be careful in the things that you pursue, and in particular the things that you do, right? And we know that when we're young, many are the temptations, right, that that come to our lives, and so wisdom is not something that's only practiced should be practiced by those that are older and obviously if you're living you learn right and so as we get older people that are wiser tend to be uh more wise but wisdom is actually something that if you are young you should be pursuing especially the wisdom of god because if you are a young man and you call yourself a christian then you need to be honoring your lord and most of all remembering that whatever you are doing even in in your youth God will bring it into judgment. Yeah. Continuing now in uh, verses uh, five and six, we read, "Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the the words of the wise, and their riddles." Now here it's talking about understanding, and it's talking about guidance, but in particular in verses 5 and 6, it's actually speaking about having an understanding of these harder things that the Lord brings. Because there are many proverbs or, even in a, or statements even in the book of Ecclesiastes that are sometimes hard to understand, right? And so what this is actually doing is it's giving an admonition that we should gain wisdom as to even have an understanding of these things. Now, how can one get an understanding of these things? By learning the basic things. It's very sad to say but I've met people who call themselves Christians and they don't know some of the most basic things you ask them what are the four Gospels they can't tell you who the four Gospels are you ask them to at least name three of the disciples and they can't name them and these are very very elementary things if you want to be able to have greater knowledge of the things of God you must start with the with the with the you know elementary things so you want to be diligent you know begin with the small and 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 work your way up and if you're diligent to read the Word of God consistently and you're meditating on these things, not just reading through them, the Lord will give you wisdom because you will learn wonderful insights from these things. I actually really like this particular uh, section of Daniel that we're going to read and because I like that this particular declaration by Daniel actually gives a good declaration of what God brings in understanding. And that's in Daniel 2, verses 20 through 23. Reading it says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in darkness and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise and that you have given me wisdom and might and you have made known to me what I asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. And in context, this is speaking of the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had in which he had the, you know, the image of the, the statue made of, of the different metals. And so he was requesting to have uh, this particular dream be uh, not only interpreted, to be told to him. And so we see that he was actually going to be executing his counsel if they did not provide this because he didn't, and he didn't want them to give their own interpretation. And so we have Daniel, who actually sought the Lord on this, and the Lord gave him the, uh, the understanding. But what I like is that here, in, particularly in verse 21, where he says that he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So that's very, very important. It's very important that we, when we consider the things of God, even when we're getting into reading the Word of God, that we do not think that merely because we're going to read it that we're going to get understanding and we're going to get knowledge. These things have to be spiritually discerned. So when you pick up your Bible and you want to learn the things of God, make sure to pray that the Lord gives you the understanding, that His Spirit that He's given can give you that understanding because that's the way you get true true knowledge. And we also see a good example later on in a, in a further chapter that Nebuchadnezzar, he actually praised himself for the great things of his kingdom and was pointing to himself. And what did the Lord do to him? He humbled him by actually making him go mad. And so... If we are a sane people, let us be thankful to God that we have our sanity, that we can use our brains, and that we could put our minds to the things of God, because if the Lord wanted to, He could even judge us by taking away our sanity. You know, And recently with uh, one of the ailments that I had, I, I had a little bit of that, and so I'm very thankful to the Lord to know that, that He is the one who heals us, you know, and gives us the ability to continue in life and be able to have understanding and being able to see things properly. Continuing now to well, verse uh, number 7, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is something that I think many of you have heard, right? That knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, I ask this question, is fear a good thing? Now, many of us, because we know of this verse, say yes. But if you ask the average person out there, most people will say No right? We, don't, we do not want to be fearful, right? But this is actually a very important thing when it comes to the issue of God, that we should be fearful of God. And the question is, why should we be fearful of God? Why? Because God is a judge. And as we read, even with the, uh, the instructions to the youth, God judges everything. And He's not only going to judge it in the day to come, but He judges things now. So we have to have a proper fear of the Lord in which we do these things because then that is part of a good motivation to do what is right we should do things because we love god because what is the first commandment to love god above everything else right and that should be our motivating factor but part of that should be to have a fear of god now i will further say this because for me it was it was helpful we don't this is something that we don't teach today and that we don't practice today but i think that we should have fear of parents i think parents should there should be an element of fear within the within the children in, 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 honoring, in honoring their parents. Because by doing so, they will, they will not uh, go you know, in, 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 a, in a byword way. And I know that in my case, because I grew up in a, in a home where I had a very strong mother, she was a Christian, and I was in the Christian faith, there were many things that I shied away from. Even I, I might have been more open to it if perhaps I would have had more lax parents, but because my parents were strict, I did not give it not even one ounce. I'll give an example, I've never done drugs. And I've had and I've known friends who've done drugs, and because I was fearful, first of all, of my parents, and I was fearful of God, it never interested me to do it. So even when I had people offering me, you know, whether I'd be interested in this and that, it was never a temptation to me, because the fear of God was in me, and it actually allowed me to see things in its in its proper balance. I didn't fear my my peers. I didn't fear, you know, uh, those who were trying to push these things. Because I understood that these things were not important. I understood that what was important was first of all, to be good with God and to be good with my parents. so that's something that I would admonish you as parents to do is to put a good, a good fear fear of the Lord and and fear of yourselves as parents because in essence, what are parents but a representation of God? What is God? Is God not a father right yep. then parent you know parenting is is actually a uh, a symbol of that we, we are we actually get to know about the parenting of God through being parents or even being a child because I, I'm, I am one who doesn't have children but I've certainly understood the value of parenting by being brought up in a household that, that, was, uh, that was strict and that took seriously you know, to do what was good. Uh, continuing forward, I'd like to look now at uh, Exodus 20, verse 20. It says, Exodus 20, verse 20, right? Yes. It says, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin now this is a great example of what we're talking about notice here it says that we are not to fear right so we shouldn't be fearing anything in the world but whom should we fear we should fear the lord right and in context here it's it's a this is a very powerful statement because this is telling us about that generation you know that eventually rejected the lord right and that basically found its death. But it tells us here what was the actual purpose of why God did this, and why did He do it? To test them. Now, this is important because when we look at our own lives, we have to be careful as well, because we don't know where God, where the Lord is putting us. There's many difficult things. I know that I've had many difficult things in my life, and sometimes I have not understood why these things have come upon me. But with time, I've come to see that the Lord used that as a test. And we got to remember that sometimes some of these trials and these testings, what does the book of James tell us? That these things are given to us in order that we we may be made stronger as overcomers, right? And because every single time, brothers and sisters, that we go through something, particularly something that's very, very tough, and we get out of it, what comes out of that? What is our relationship with the Lord? It's actually more steadfast. Because we understand that we could have we could have fallen, right? In that particular uh, temptation or trial and yet the Lord got us through it. And so it's very, very important that we understand that when it comes to God, we, we should fear Him knowing that not only He judges but that in fact He is the giver of all things. And that anything that you need to go through, if you're seeking the Lord, He will get you through it. Continuing now in a 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Here we're now looking at the issue of, of those, that are, those that are fools who don't seek instruction, right? As we see, if we look at here in uh, verse 18, what we're seeing is that we know that the message of the cross is, is the power of God. We know that it is it is the wisdom of God, right? The the gospel is the wisdom of God. But does the world understand it? No. Right? The world ha- has no understanding. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that who seeks after God? Nobody. No one does. So if no one's seeking after God, that means that when the message of the gospel is given to the people, do the people in and of themselves receive these things? Or even ourselves? Have we received these things because of our understanding? Or our hearts, our good hearts? No. These things are received because God has done a work in us. He has given us this wonderful gospel. And through the, through, the, through the reception of the gospel, that's how we receive our salvation. Right? And so the knowledge of God comes through through His Word. And who is also called the Word? Jesus. Yes. Jesus Christ. So, in the pursuit of not only having an understanding of the Bible, we must understand the essence of Jesus. Because... As, as it says in one of the Psalms that He has come in the volume of the book. Why? Because it is written about Him. All the realities that we have in Scripture point back to Jesus Christ because that's what God intended. God intended to have, in essence, His word and character be manifested in the man that He sent. And that man being Jesus Christ. I'd now like to take a look at uh, some applications. And the first one is, What has God asked of man? And we see in Micah 6 that it says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Now, in order to be able to do this, does that not require wisdom? We have to have understanding of the things of God. When the Bible says that we are to do justice, how would we know what justice really is? Because when we look at the different countries, we know that different countries have different laws, right? And some of them are actually quite unjust. And the reason that we know that they're unjust is because of the knowledge that we have from our culture, which actually is affected by, by the Word of God. And so it's very, very important that we understand what the precepts of God are, what the commandments of God are, because that is how we can make proper judgments in, in all things. And that includes our governments, right? Like in our case, we have a government that is actually based on the authority of the people, right? And if we want to, if we want to be able to, to do so, if we are to properly uh, adjudicate, you could say we, uh, we should be able to properly do this. Now, I saw some of you nod your heads, and you're absolutely right. Why? Because that's actually an example of how wisdom is not being used in this country, right? So the reason we have such terrible things is because people are following, once again, not the wisdom of God, but what? Their own wisdom. Right? And doing things through, through the wisdom of man. Right? Continuing on, we have Galatians 5, 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So here it's actually speaking about the reality that's going on within us, which is that we have a fallen nature, right? Which is in our flesh, but we have a new nature as well right that comes from the spirit of god and when we're living our lives what is going on daily we're doing a fight between the two right and what this is telling us is that one has really nothing to do with the other so when you're making judgments when you're looking for understanding once again what are we to look at we are to look at what is spiritual which is what comes from the word of god and not lean on our own understanding as a as a famous passage from jeremiah says right that the heart is Desperately wicked, who can know it, right? Now, when he asks that, I'm sure he's talking about men, but God knows our hearts for sure. He knows the heart of each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, that's one of the ways that we knew that Jesus was deity was because he, he knew the heart of men, right? At certain times, it, it spoke about him knowing the heart of men. But even ourselves, and, and you know, this is, a, this is a powerful passage to me because I don't know about you brothers, but sometimes I found myself thinking, why did I do this? Or how could I have fallen to this? Because I was trusting in my judgment. I was trusting in what I thought I, I thought I could get through. And, and in many ways, I deceived myself. So this is why it's important that when we look at things, we consider the fact that it's not about what our desire is, but what God wants. And the way that we know what God wants is once again through what He has revealed, which is in His scriptures. That's how we get that wisdom. The second application I have is, do not trust in yourself. right? So this is an emphasis on this. And I want to look at Proverbs 3.5, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. So once again, here we have a very clear admonition that when we are to look for things, we should be trusting in the Lord and not our own understanding in what we are doing. Continuing forward, we have 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, which states, But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and what? The wisdom of God, and so this is why it's very important that as Christians we have to understand that it's not merely about saying, "Oh, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God," you know, and uh, and I go to church, but you have to actually understand what God wants, because you have to put it, you have to apply everything that you are learning into your living, right? How do we how do we learn how to pray? How do we know how to how to how to pray to God through what's been revealed, right? When in what I remember one of the community groups that we had, uh, this this has always stuck with me, uh, we had a, a couple of gentlemen that were new to the faith, and they came and they said, well, you know, we really want to connect with God, and we want to pray with God, but the problem that we have is that we don't know what to pray. You know? So, how do we pray? You know? And some people have, have properly said, well, look at the prayers that are in the Bible. You know? And you can learn from that. But what I actually told them is, read the Psalms. Right? Because if you look at the Psalms, Yes, they're songs, but are they not in essence prayers as well? You know, and, and a lot of wonderful theology is actually even found in the psalms. So if you want to have a, a good understanding of what to plead to the Lord, I think the psalms is, is, a, is a, good, uh, a good place to, to find that. We tend to look at the book of Proverbs a little bit more as, uh, as uh, sayings, but even there you can have you know, uh, good examples of what we, what we should be uh, thinking on and what we should be asking you know to our Lord and the last thing is basically an emphasis of what I titled the sermon which is to look for wisdom in all things I actually titled the sermon uh, in all that you get get wisdom right and Proverbs 4 7 states the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom and whatever you get get insight so what this is basically telling us is that we should be practicing wisdom in what areas in all areas, all areas of life. We should be making judgments on all kinds of things, not just on certain things, but on all things. Because the reason why we have such a voluminous, you know, uh, book when we have the Bible, right, which is really a library, it's not just one book, right? It's really a library, it's a collection of, of many books. And the, one of the ways that we know that its wisdom is, is so profound is that, was it just written in one particular era? Take, for instance, the Quran. The Quran came down, you know, uh, what, in the 600s with Muhammad saying that, you know, God brought this. But when was that done? In one generation. Right? Book of Mormon. What was that? One generation. And yet when we have the Bible, we don't have that. We have actually something that expands time and many prophets. So when we come to the New Testament, now that was done in one generation. Now, you could ask yourself, why would that be? Why? Because that was the last, the last generation, right? The who was the, the final... The, the book of Hebrews tells us that in times past, the Lord spoke through the prophets, but in the last days, who has He spoken through? Through His Son. Because this is it. As, as the book of Jude tells us, I believe it's Jude 3, you know, that we are to contend for the faith delivered once and for all. So what we want to have is a good knowledge of what we have in the Scriptures and the final message of God because it is that which has been transcendent. And I mean, when the New Testament was finished, that was what, almost 2,000 years ago? Or, or about 2,000 years ago? So we have all that, all that knowledge that the church has been using for 2,000 years, and it's been able to preserve the church and to be able to uh, uh, gain its riches as we have here today, right? Because of the, of the wonderful testimony of scripture. So, the, so I advise you greatly to, first of all, to pray. Pray for the Lord to give you wisdom. Second, to pray when you're gonna engage in, in, uh, in reading the Bible. And third, for the Lord to give you the ability to practice wisdom in a proper way. Because if we can do these things, then we will have the hand of God, and we know that we will be fruitful in all the things that we seek to do. So, I thank you, brothers. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's it for this sermon. Let us go ahead and pray to our Lord. Blessed God, we ask you, Father, to fill us with your wisdom. Allow us, Father, to not only intake this knowledge, but to Indeed, put it to practice. To understand why you are communicating these things, Lord, because there are so many wonderful things that you've given to us. We have lives, Lord, that are quite uh, quite complex, and the issues of life are many, Lord. But we know that all the issues start where they start in the heart. And if we have put you and we have put your word and your law in our hearts, then Lord, you can guide us through it. You can bring us to the light. You can take us out of darkness. You could indeed, Father, continue to purify us, which is what we seek to do in this wonderful uh, sanctification, Lord, that you are doing with us. I ask for everyone who is here, Father, that you may be able to do a work with them, that the learning, Father, is not the same with everyone, but you give to each man, accordingly, Lord, and that as accordingly you give to each man and each woman, Lord, that they may be fruitful in the things that you have given to them, and that it would be indeed to your glory, Lord. We thank you for the fellowship that we have here, We ask you to preserve this church, to allow us, Father, to continue forward in you, and most of all, that we would remain in your spirit and being faithful to your word, and not being as others who have become more interested in what man has to say than what our God has to say. But nevertheless, Lord, we glorify your name and ask you to be with us and go with us this week, Father, and let this word be fruitful and multiply, Lord, within the brethren. For we ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen.